Attended by Simmons. Is this the taker? Battleborn Phantom. Hello and welcome back to the Slinging and Winning Podcast. I'm your host as always, Joshua Insamo, joined by my co-host, Nate Mobier. Nate, week one of football was very, very entertaining. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of, you know, stories and crazy narratives to take away from this weekend. What is your thoughts on all the action? We're going to get to game one um, here in a second. We're going to go back to Thursday night with the Bills beating the Rams in impressive fashion, but... Nate, how was your weekend gone? What did you do, and how did you enjoy the slate of football? There was a lot of upsets, but I'm just happy football is back. Like, like you wait like a good chunk of the year just football to be back, and you know it. It did certainly did not disappoint. There were some very good games this weekend. Yeah, there was the one o'clock slate was insane. The Steelers game was awesome the Colts game was actually very entertaining I wasn't surprised I wasn't expecting that at all um but this the one o'clock slate was just crazy then we got to the four o'clock state uh slate the games weren't as close which I was kind of surprised that Chargers game was really good I think that was probably the best four o'clock slate game um but let's go back to Thursday now the Rams you know it's their Super Bowl unveil like uh the banner raising night uh Buffalo's coming to town arguably the favorite for everybody to win the Super Bowl this year, the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen walks in L.A., takes care of business, has a monster night along with that offense. Isaiah McKenzie, a guy that we were talking about on the social media accounts, goes off for a touchdown. Could have had more points as well if he didn't drop that one post in the red zone. This Bills team was dynamic. They looked very, very hard to beat. What is your takeaway from Thursday night? I I said exactly what I thought they were going to do. They they came in, they were hungry, they wanted it more than the Rams, clearly. Like, I don't know why the Rams think targeting one receiver for pretty much 50% of the target share would work. Like, they, they got to change up their game plan. They have Allen Robinson there. They have Cam Akers back. But Cam Akers was a bit disappointing, <laughs> as we all know. But they got to change up their game plan, especially if they want to beat a team like the Bills next time. Yeah, Josh Allen goes 26 for 31, 297 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions, but those interceptions, you know, bounced right off uh, the wide receivers uh, like bouncy castles. So I don't know how much we can criticize those really. Um, but, you, you know, you go to the running game now for the Bills. This was something that I was very interested in seeing in this game is, you know, the Bills are such a dynamic passing offense. There's not a lot of hype in the run game. Devin Singletary, you know, coming into the year was for sure their RB1. He gets eight rushes for 48 yards. Not bad on the night. Average six yards per attempt. Uh, his longest run was 13 yards. Zach Moss, though, he was that RB2 last year. They kind of had that split backfield. And Zach Moss again this year uh, with got six rushes in the opening game. Only 15 yards, though, averaging 2.5 per attempt. And then you have Cook, right? You know, James Cook. Lots of hype coming into this season. Unfortunately, only gets one rush, which he got two yards, and then he fumbles. Um, you know, he's Cook is a great player, good young talent. I'm still very high on him. I think he is going to be arguably the leader of the backfield pretty quickly here in Buffalo. 
Uh, but credit to Singletary, man. A lot of people were, you know, pretty much counting him out. 25-year-old running back. We've seen him not have the best numbers um, behind that Buffalo Bills O-line. But, you know, I got to say, Thursday night, he looked explosive. He had that, you know, jump early on. And this is going to be important for the Bills if they do want to push for a Super Bowl. I don't care how good their pass game is. In my opinion, to win a Super Bowl, you need a solid run game and you need a solid pass game as well. And I think they can get Singletary up to fire and James Cook and, you know, find that breakout point. I think James Cook is going to come along a lot later in the season. Obviously, this isn't a guy that you drafted in your fantasy leagues to play in week one. Um, it's going to take time for him to come out, but credit to Singletary because I was impressed with him and his burst of speed. And I, I don't think the Rams defense was really expecting, uh, you know, Singletary to have that much explosiveness. What do you think? Yeah, I think Singletary looked pretty good compared to like the other running back that everyone was hyping up on the other side, Cam Akers. Devin Singletary did pretty damn good. And then, yeah, like you said, Zach Moss, he was, I can't, I'm pretty sure he was a candidate to get cut at one point, but you know, it's a good story that he's the RB2. Uh, James Cook, he fumbled. Obviously, his career is very far from being over so i think he'll have a good career and i think he'll actually have a good season like you said by the end of it well stefan diggs also had a crazy night eight receptions 122 yards one touchdown on jalen ramsey good for him i love stefan diggs but gabe davis you know continues the hype right away scored the first touchdown of the nfl season he had four receptions for 88 yards one touchdown average 22 yards per reception that's that's crazy uh, Jameson crowded it a little bit more than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be more of a depth role, but, you know, three receptions for 28 yards, average nine per reception. Um, but, you know, going back to Isaiah McKenzie, you know, didn't get a lot of receptions, didn't get a lot of yards, but he got the touchdown. His average receptions were at nine, which is pretty good. Um, and he's arguably that third wide receiver on a high passing offense. I tweeted out before um, this game that, you know, we've seen guys like Cole Beasley in this role get more targets per game than guys like Mike Evans, you know, Boyd uh, over in Cincinnati, um, Jerry Judy even in Denver at 6.6 .6 per attempts per game. This was a role that was seen more than that. And, you know, I think Isaiah McKenzie is going to have some value down the line here. But this is, you know, kind of a player that he's still pretty much available on the waiver wire. And, you know, me and you obviously talk a lot about fantasy football on this podcast. And I got to ask you, do you think Isaiah McKenzie is a smart waiver wire ad after this week one i think so yeah like josh josh allen is like one of those special players for fantasy and like if you can get any part of that buffalo bills offense especially the receivers i, I would do not do not hesitate to pick that up yeah now let's go to the very very opposite end of the spectrum here the la ram side brutal night from la to be honest uh, Matt Stafford completed a lot more pass than I think a lot of people are giving him credit for. Um, 29 of 41, 240 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, was sacked seven times. Seven times. Like, I, I didn't – seven times. Like, I, that is astonishing to me. This team just won the Super Bowl. Their run game was non-existent. Daryl Henderson, you know, power back, rushes 13 times, 47 yards only, averaged 3.6 yards per attempt. Uh, then they gave a rush to Powell. Um, you know, Stafford had a rush, uh, only two yards. And Akers, three rushes, zero yards, zero yards, zero. Average yards per attempt is 0, 0.0. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking. Like, Cam Akers might have been the most disappointing, I think, fantasy player that I've seen in a long time. 
from a week one perspective? What do you think? I mean, like, yeah, that was pretty bad. I mean, like, we'll, we'll get into that later with Aaron Rodgers, whatever how that was. But yeah, Cam Akers, you most likely spent a third, fourth, sometimes if you fell to the fifth or fifth round pick on Cam Akers. You're, you're not expecting, like, you know, like big numbers, like McCaffrey type numbers, but you're expecting, like, solid RB2, RB3 numbers to get zero points. <laughs> He lost a lot of people matchups because they uh, technically it's just an empty slot. <laughs> You're gonna have to like come back from that. Yeah, no, that was devastating to all Acres owners, but hopefully he gets a little bit more uh, of an opportunity down the line. I don't think it's all on the injury. You know, that is a very, very bad injury for running backs, the Achilles tear. Um, but I, I also think after McVeigh's comments, I think it's a little bit of you know stuff behind closed doors. So. I think down the line, you're going to see Acres value uh, jump a little bit. But let's go to the receiving side of the Rams football now. Like, what was happening in this receiving game? Cooper Cup, 13 receptions, 128 yards, one touchdown. Nate, I'm going to ask you, do you th- what is the guess for how many yards the second closest, um, you know, receptionist got on the Rams offense was? I already know who it was. It was Tyler Higby, wasn't it? I mean, he didn't even get 40 yards or something like no, that. Like, he got- 39 yeah like, like come on like why why did they think that would work <laughs> like I, five for 26 squanick got four receptions for 25 yards alan robinson alan robinson this is a joke in he, my opinion. he got two one targets for 12 yards two targets and one of them was like a desperation last second like throw to the end zone <laughs> Like, you go out, you get Allen Robinson, you pay the fee, and then you get 12 yards out of this. This is on the level with me and that disgusting Cowboys effort with this. Like, this is the same, like, like what what are we doing here at Allen Robinson? This is a top-end wide receiver. And I understand that, you know, the Bills are playing great defense, a lot of, you know, zone coverage schemes and a lot of, you know, very good defensive balance. They, they were getting to the quarterback very quick. That's also something you got to consider. But still, Allen Robinson, only two targets. Like, he, he – this is a class-wide receiver. And you only use him for 12 yards. What are we doing here? And it's not even like he was, like – he was open a majority of the plays. And it's like you could watch it, like, when you're watching the film. It's like Stafford was literally – looking for Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup only. <laughs> like, I, it, that's how it feels like he was playing. Like, I, I don't understand, like, why? <laughs> like, you just got Allen Robinson. Yeah, I got to give him credit, though. Cooper Cup is one fucking hell of a player. Um, but enough of the Thursday game. I think, you know, a majority of, you know, fans listening to this know how Thursday went. But let's go to the afternoon slate here. Let's start with the Eagles and the Lions. Now, the Eagles are obviously a team, you know, from the Cowboys fan perspective, I do think they are the best team in the NFC East. I'm not being a biased fan or anything. I do actually think that their team has a lot more um, completeness to it. There's a lot of holes in the Dallas Cowboys right now. Uh, As you can tell, we are going to get to them in a bit. It's going to be a very interesting part of this episode. But the Detroit Lions, a team that I think is going to surprise people this year, especially offensively. I like their offense. They get in the shootout here with Philly, 38-35. But, man, my main takeaway from this is DeAndre Swift might actually be my favorite player in the NFL. 
that is not on the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is so electric. His pass receiving talent, all that he can bring to the running back position. This guy is a must watch player in my opinion. And, you know, I wish I could have gotten him in fantasy drafts, but man, this guy, if you had him good on you, because this season, I really feel like he's going to be a special player. What do you think? Yeah, like what, like a couple minutes and he ripped off for like a fifty yard run or something like that. Like that, that's not something that like ordinary players do. Like he, he went off this game, fifteen rushes, one hundred forty four yards, and he had some work in the receiving game. Three receptions, thirty one yards. Like he had a monster fantasy day. He had, I think, only one touchdown, but still, it's still he did absolutely well. Yeah, one thing I'm also kind of, you know, like, you know, you see the 38 points on the board from the Philadelphia Eagles, but you look at Jalen Hurts' stat line, and that's where a lot of the Eagles type is, you know, I guess diminished a bit. Like, if this team team had a real for sure quarterback, I think a lot of teams would have this team maybe winning the NFC East. I like Jalen Hurts more than most people, but in this game, you know, no touchdowns. He did have an 80 rating, uh, quarterback rating, so... He wasn't like he was good. Made 18 of 32 attempts, but 243 yards. Your team scores 38 points. I think you know that's a little bit uh, surprising, but also you know the Eagles they clearly ran the ball in this game for sure, right? Like you know Hertz picked up 90 yards rushing. That's my favorite part about his game. If they can use him as that dual threat quarterback, this team's going to be good no matter what. Um, Sanders gets almost 100 yards on 13 uh, rushes. Pretty good. Average 7.4 per attempt with one touchdown. Kenneth Gainwell as well, right? You know, clearly their RB2 um, rushes five times, gets 20 yards and a touchdown. And their RB3, Boston Scott, rushes four times, gets 10 yards for one touchdown. Um, This offense, you know, they knew that the Detroit Lions were going to have a tough time stopping the run game. And what do the Eagles do? They gash them. I just found that very interesting that Jalen Hurts for 38 points didn't have a touchdown. Did that surprise you? Yeah, just imagine if, like, imagine the fantasy day Jalen Hurts would have if they had more passing touchdowns. Like, he he did absolutely insane. Like, obviously, like, the completion percentage isn't there. But, like, come on, 96, what was it, 90 yards from your quarterback? How, how could you ask for much more? <laughs> Yeah, let's get to the Colts and Texans game now. This one finishes in a tie, 2020. Um, very disappointing effort from Indianapolis, in my opinion. But you look at the stats here. Matt Ryan, you know, a lot of people really on the Matt Ryan train this year. Throws 50 attempts, completed 32 of them, 352 yards, one touchdown, one interception. What was your thoughts on Matt Ryan in the opening game for him and his Colts debut? Realistically, if you're losing to the Texans, I, I don't I cannot count that as a success. Like, especially when you only score 20 points against them. Like, like yeah, he threw for 352 yards, but like he threw 50 times. <laughs> and like a lot a lot of the catches were from Michael Pittman. But like that guy's really good, so I I I wouldn't give Matt Ryan too much credit. Like it is the Texans, but I, I think that's an unacceptable loss, <laughs> especially like the the Titans did lose, so you want to get every edge on them as possible. Losing to the Texans is not okay. <laughs> well, they tied, right? So yeah, but at least 
I, I would. Yeah. But credit to Taylor, man. Like 31 rushes, 161 yards, one touchdown, averaged five yards per attempt. His longest run of the day was 17 yards. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, we talked to him last week about being the RB1, especially in fantasy football last year. He had a dominant game uh, to start it off. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about Jonathan Taylor's usage in these first two opening games here for the Colts. And you look at the schedule, he's playing back-to-back defenses that aren't supposed to have a good run game. Um, Do you think that Jonathan Taylor is going to live up to this hype and sustain it all season long? Obviously, the short answer is yes. The long answer is no, just because people who finish as the RB1, they they don't do that two seasons in a row. I don't think they ever repeat it again. I think once they finish as the RB1, that's like their peak, right? I uh, Like, l- look at some of the past running backs who have finished as the RB1 who realistically won't finish as it again. Like, you had Todd Gurley back in, what was it, 2017, like Le'Veon Bell, like David Johnson, you know, Alvin Kamara, like Saquon, like it just it doesn't it won't happen again. I I don't know if just Jonathan Taylor will break that curse, but history doesn't really it's not really on his side. Yeah, credit to Taylor and Pittman. They really showed up for the Colts, and that O line is still pretty good. Not as great it was as it's been in the last couple of seasons, but. They were obviously missing Leonard, too, right? He's a huge part of their defense. I still think the Colts are better than what they showed in week one, but credit to the Houston Texans. I don't think this is a team that should be taken as a joke. Their offense, I think, is very underrated. Um, you know, Brandon Cooks is a guy that I love. Cooks, you know, is just a quiet player, goes about his business, puts up stats every season, and nobody really gives him the love because he's on the Texans. But credit to Dave Mills, right? You know, Davis Mills um, throws – 37 times last game, 23, uh, you know, completed two touchdowns, 240 yards. Um, Burkhead had a pretty good performance as well, rushed 14 times for 40 yards. Obviously, you know, um, more of his pass blocking and stuff like that came into effect. Uh, But Damian Pierce, 11 rushes, 33 yards, both running backs here that I think are going to have to battle each other as the season goes along. But, you know, given this Texans O-line, I thought Burkhead and Pierce did okay. And I think they helped out on the pass. And Pierce obviously didn't provide as much in the pass blocking as Burkhead did. But Burkhead's ability to get outside on a lot of plays, I think, um, helped the Texans offense um, in a little bit more ways than I think we expected them. You know, he got 30 yards um, receiving-wise uh, in that game. So just some love to Houston and, you know, O.J. Howard, right? <laughs> like, that was a guy that just gets cut. <laughs> scores two touchdowns uh very very nice tight end play if you did have the guts to play on but I was just not expecting that what about you yeah like OJ Howard on the Texans when he just got cut from the pills like he he kind of showed out (laughs) and he is one of the reasons why they tied yeah all right let's get to the next game now Cleveland versus Carolina Cleveland wins this one 26-24 you know, to a lot of people, a huge surprise, but this was the Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb game. These guys absolutely demolished the Panthers' rushing defense. Nick Chubb, 22 rushes, 141 yards, 6.4 average rush yards per attempt. His longest run of the day was 25. Then you look at his partner, Kareem Hunt, that's kind of that goal line guy, gets 11 rushes, 46 yards, one touchdown um, rushing. Kareem Hunt also had a touchdown in the receiving game. So, you know, Kareem Hunt, two touchdowns on the day. But 
also credit to Donovan Peoples Jones, right? You know, a lot of people counting him out this year now that they got Amari Cooper, but guess what? Six receptions, 60 yards, average 10 yards per reception. Najoku, Cooper, you know, they weren't really factors in this offense uh, in week one. Does that surprise you a bit? Um, Amari Cooper, no, because, like, everyone was expecting, like, Deshaun, when he was quarterback, like, he would be more involved. If you have a bad quarterback, I don't really see Amari Cooper getting involved, like, Brissett. But Njoku, I was surprised because Brissett, with his time with the Colts, and the Dolphins, he really likes his tight end, so I'm surprised they didn't get Njoku more involved. Only one, rece- only one reception for seven seven yards. I think he was t- he was targeted seven times, which that might be his fault. But I, I expected a bit more than Njoku. Yeah, I know it, it's definitely a weird team in Cleveland because. You know, obviously, the negativity around some offseason transactions they did. But in this one, they have some talented players. This is an underrated football team, in my opinion. And I think if Miles Garrett can continue to perform how he did in this game all season long to potentially be the defensive player of the year, I think this team's going to be very good, um, despite what you think of their management and their franchise. But the Carolina Panthers, you know, this is a team that it's. I think they're going to have a very hit-or-miss season. They have tons of talent tons of talent offensively for me it's just about them staying healthy McCaffrey if he stays healthy Baker Mayfield settle into the game now at the start of the game I was laughing that first interception I don't know what the fuck he was looking at like that was awful but you know he settled in he's he's not a bad game manager too puts up 24 points on the boards they uh, on on for the Panthers but they lost off that kick by uh you know Cade York so, you know, it, it was definitely something that you kind of felt bad for them. But at the same time, this Panthers team, I don't think this is a bad week one. Um, Mayfield still finished with 235 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, I just think they need to use McCaffrey more. They got to get uh, DJ Moore the football. He's an electric wide receiver, but th- they got to use their other weapons too, right? Like Robbie Anderson, um, 102 yards. Great game from him. Um but, yeah, that, that's just what I'm seeing here out of Carolina. I think they're going to have a good season. <clears throat> but um, I'm, I'm just worried about their usage of these weapons because, you know, DJ Moore only had how much, 43 yards on three receptions. Like, I understand Baker's your QB now, but get DJ Moore the football, please, and don't even have this guy in fantasy. I just think DJ Moore is a huge weapon to have on your offense. Let's go to the next game now. This one's a bit weirder. Um, definitely not something we saw coming. The Chicago Bears beat the San Francisco. I can't talk today. The San Francisco 49ers, 19 to 10. Nate, you start off with this one because I know this game probably frustrated you. It didn't really, because like obviously, like the 49ers should have beat the Chicago Bears, but like they were they were playing in a goddamn swamp. Like you can't really get like it. It, it was a toss up. As soon as you saw the conditions of that field, it was a toss-up. Like, like when the when the Bears won, they literally dove into the end zone, and it was it was like a fucking slip and slide. Like that's how fucking damp and flooded the field was. Like, like they the Chicago Bears, they did win, but Lance and Fields they did play relatively the same, which is under fifty percent completion percentage. Like. 
Lance was forced to throw more because they were losing to the back end of the game, but like Lance 120, I mean, fields 121 yards throwing, which is like nothing when you think about it. Like Mahomes could get that in a quarter. And then you have two pa- passing touchdowns, and then they mostly just ran the ball. And then the 49ers, you know, Trey Lance 164 yards, one interception, 13 for 28. Like, it was just an ugly game for both offenses. And it, I'm sure it was relatively was boring because they're running slower because of the water. And it's just the Chicago Bears, right? <laughs> it's not that entertaining. No, like, this game was just weird. Like, you know, obviously starting off with the field conditions. But I'm kind of disappointed, but I'm not going to lie. San Francisco's a team I could see making a Super Bowl run, but you have to give credit. They were out with – they were without – tight end George Kittle, right? Eli Mitchell gets hurt pretty early on in this game. I think that's a huge blow. He's going to be out for two months for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. He is a good running back. He's got a nice burst, um, you know, coming out of that backfield. They're going to have to rely on Jeff Wilson now. I'm not as high on Jeff Wilson as, you know, some people are. But, you know, Lance, I think, is going to be – like Lance's rushing game now is going to have to go up a ton. Like, you're going to see him, like – try and make up for that loss of uh, Mitchell because you look in the, the 49ers running back room right now, besides Eli Mitchell, remember they got rid of Sermon, right? They, they don't have the depth that they've had in years prior. And I'm a little bit nervous now because now this 49ers offense looks like it's going to be forced to play one dimensional in the past game. And if Kittle's not back by week three or week four, this team could get themselves in a hole in a division that, you know, a lot of people don't know how to project, right? We just saw the Seahawks win last night. The Rams, I think, are a lot better than what we saw on Thursday. And, okay, you know, like going back to Seattle, like Seattle, I think, is a very underrated team. I think they could be in a wild card conversation. But the Rams, I think, still pretty much own this division. With the Cardinals showing, that was brutal. So that's a team that we're going to talk about in a sec. But I think right now this team, like this is a competitive division. And I don't think um, if, you know, Debo Samuel, right? Like, if he doesn't get his game unlocked, because in this one, you know, it's hard to say, because, right, like like you said, the field conditions passing, but if Debo can't, like, get himself to what he was last year as that weapon in the rushing game, this this team could be in for a, a tough start to the season until Kittle's back, because in a competitive division, now, don't get me wrong, I think this team is a lock for the playoffs. I think this team is just too talented, especially on the defensive side of the football, but I'm a little nervous on offense here in San Francisco. Uh, let's go to the next game now, and the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Washington Commanders, a game that looked like Jacksonville could have won, but no, Carson Wentz and the Commanders come back when 28-22. Nate, what is your thoughts on Carson Wentz's dazzling debut in Washington? I was actually really, like, really surprised. Like Carson Wentz absolutely balled out. Aside from the two interceptions, his – his stat line is absolutely like flawless for Carson Wentz. Like, and bar like it is the Jacksonville Jaguars, but twenty-seven for forty-one, three hundred thirteen yards, four passing touchdowns, and sacked once. And he rushed six times for twelve yards. Like, who's expecting that out of Carson Wentz? Not me. <laughs> like, I was expecting like maybe two touchdowns. You know, like two hundred and like seventy yards, something like that. He he exceeded everyone's expectations. Antonio Gibson, he kind of shut everyone up. 
Uh, he got 58 yards rushing, 72 yards receiving. Like, he could be in a Christian McCaffrey type role. He can be that kind of player if they just know how to use him. He just, he, as soon as he works on his fumble problems, which he did fumble once in this game, uh, I think he, yeah, he fumbled once, once or twice, something like that. But as soon as he finishes, like, as soon as he establishes himself as, like, I can be that player. He he will be insane. The problem is, like you said, though, is the fumble control. Like, he fumbles at a crazy rate. And, you know, how do you have confidence in a running back that's coughing up the football? He had 14 rushes in this game, 58 yards, average 4.1 per attempt. His longest run of the day was 13. But his, his you know, receiving game was where he did most damage, right? Seven receptions, 72 yards, average 10 per, uh, per reception, sorry. Gibson is a great player. I think he is going to be an absolute weapon if he is fully completed as a player. I just don't know how much opportunity and trust you can have in a guy that, you know, is coughing up the football uh, at such a high rate. And, you know, we saw this with running backs in the past. And I remember even as a Cowboys fan, when this was a problem with Zeke a couple seasons ago, you know, it's very frustrating and it, it looks bad not only on you, but your team, you know, you lose a lot of confidence um, in your O-line and stuff like that. And right now, I don't think there's much competition between him and J.D. McKissick. I think McKissick's a, a decent RB2. Um, he's way better in the receiving game than he is in the rushing game. But I think Brian Robinson is going to be where he gets that real competition um, to be the lead back here in Washington. So I think right now he can kind of enjoy the workload and the opportunity. But I think once you see Robinson come back, then good luck to him. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's a waiting game for Brian Robinson. Like he was unfortunately in that accident where he was shot in a in a robbery attempt. But the fact that he's already off crutches and he's at the facility, he's like, that that's insane. He's gonna have an insane comeback story. I I love the way he plays. I'm rooting for him. You know, yes, like you said, in a very uh, sad accident, and you know, it's just it's awful to hear stories like that. Um, especially in a young kid um, like Brian, but still great player. I think he's going to be very impressive this season. Now let's go to the Patriots game and the Dolphins game. The Patriots did not look good. And that was something that I was telling you about on the episode prior. I don't think this is going to be the season where the Patriots are competitive. Now I don't, I think they're going to be a little bit better than what we saw, but I just don't think this roster is going to be in a playoff spot. I know it's, you know, very dangerous to count out Bill Belichick, but the Dolphins, 20 to set, like the, the at half, I think, what was it, 17 nothing? I think so. Yeah. Like some, like they, they were getting absolutely destroyed. Like, like the, the New England offense could not get clicking. Like Mac Jones, yes, he did have like a 66% completion percentage, but he did throw an interception and he was sacked twice and he rushed twice for zero yards. Like, and like for a team that like, was like what were they a top five rushing team last year? They they did not utilize the run game nearly as much as anyone thought. Yeah, I gotta give credit to Miami though. They looked good. Um, you know, it's gonna be an interesting season for the Dolphins. Obviously, Tego Vailoa um throws thirty three times, completed twenty three of them, one touchdown, was sacked three times. That O line still a little bit um, I guess confusing. We don't know how good they're really going to be. They did add to it. Um, but Chase Edmonds was a performance that I'm a little bit disappointed in. Rushed just 12 times, only 25 yards, averaged two yards per attempt. Raheem Mostert 
not the greatest showing, but still better than Edmonds in terms of average. Um, rushes five times for 16 yards, average three yards per attempt. Um, but this is a team that also added Cedric Wilson, right? Like, obviously, we're going to talk about Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is uh, just a monster. Eight receptions, 94 yards. I'm surprised he didn't get a touchdown. But they added a guy like Cedric Wilson. I think this is a very underrated move because he's kind of that slot guy. He's that third wide receiver. Now he can, you know, kind of hide and, you know, provide quietly a good season for the Dolphins. And there's a lot of talk between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I think it's good to have a third receiver like this in Cedric Wilson. You know, he knows his role. He was previously with the Dallas Cowboys when they had that great receiving core. Um, now said Will is coming in here. And I think if he can just stay in this similar to Isaiah McKenzie role here where he gets targets where, you know, he's not being double coverage. I don't think he's ever going to be double coverage in his career, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, obviously not the main focus uh, of this Dolphins offense. I think he could surprisingly have a good season. I like what I saw out of him in the opening week. Um, you know, he does provide you that rushing ability too. So good on him. Um, but he averaged 10 yards per reception in week one. So I'm looking forward to Cedric Wilson, what he can bring. Um, but let's go to the next game quick here. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Jets 24 to nine. Lamar Jackson, don't know how he wasn't paid. I think that is awful. Um, what is your thoughts here on the Baltimore Ravens dismantling the Jets? I think Lamar could have played a bit better completion wise, but he showed a like, Aside from, like, the rushing yards not being there, he showed, like, why he should get paid. Like, just pay the man. Like, they just took... It is the Jets, but they're still an NFL team, and they, they, they didn't even look competitive. Like, they held... They held the Jets to under 10 points, and, you know, Lamar got three passing touchdowns, which is pretty good for Lamar's standards. Like, you would think he would get, like, maybe two with, like, one on the floor, but... Like, yeah, like, I, I think they should just, they should have paid the man. Lamar Jackson in this one was, you know, definitely playing with the hype, uh, deservedly um, after, you know, the contract talk. It is insane how they have not paid this guy. This guy is an electric quarterback. He is arguably the funnest quarterback to watch in the league. 213 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. That touchdown pass to, what was it, Bateman? That bomb down the field. Even, you know, he like, look at Lamar Jackson elevating the play of his wide receivers, Duvernay, Bateman. Like, this isn't a great wide receiving core he's being built around right now. And the fact that they still haven't paid this guy is just mind boggling. Um, you know, then you go in the run game. Kenyon Drake was arguably the RB1 on uh, this one, rushes 11 times, 31 yards, average two yards per attempt. Then you look behind him. Uh, Mike Davis, the legend, uh, two rushes, 11 yards per attempt, average five yards per carry. Not the best running back room here in Baltimore. It's been like this a couple seasons now. Uh, obviously, J.K. Dobbins is close to returning. But, you know, Bateman, Duvernay, he has Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, very, very good tight end, arguably the best in football after Travis Kelsey. Um, but, you know, after that, it's, you know, <laughs> you don't get much depth here. You know, Isaiah likely maybe might be that fourth option. Um, he did get four targets, but zero of them were caught. So that's definitely a, a tough start for fantasy owners because I was one of those guys. But what was your thoughts on uh, the Baltimore Ravens uh, taking out the Jets in week one? Like, it, it was the Jets. Like, you can't really judge. Like, obviously, the Jets are like an NFL professional football team, but they have been, you know, memed for the past couple of years for how, like, 
consistently bad they are. But Lamar Jackson did prove that he should get paid. Like, he did throw for over 200 yards, three touchdowns. He didn't use his actual skill set as much as people thought on the ground. But I think he just wanted to show people that he can throw for touchdowns and he's not just a running back that people meme him as. Yeah, and then on for the Jets' perspective, I think they're in the right direction with the rebuild. Obviously, when Zach Wilson gets back, they should have a pretty okay offense. They have some nice weapons. Obviously, Sauce Gardner was amazing on the defensive side of the football. I was happy with his performance. But let's go to the New Orleans against Falcons game now. Uh, New Orleans wins this one 27-26. This is a, a terrible collapse here from the Falcons. I liked what I saw from Atlanta. You know, Mariota did pretty well. Cordell Patterson had a monster game, but I think that is blown out of proportion right now in terms of fantasy aspects. Everybody calling this guy, um, you know, steal the draft. Williams got hurt very early on. I think actually before Williams got hurt, he led in more rushing attempts than Cordell Patterson at the time, and he only had two. I think it was like a two-to-one split. Um, so if Williams is back healthy next week, I think you can see some cut in there. But this game just quickly because, um, you know, we got to get to all these games here. But Winston, I thought, was okay. But I still want to see more than New Orleans. And Mike Williams – I'm so, sorry, Mike Williams. Mike Thomas, very quiet night for majority of this game until the ending when he put up those two tutties. Still a great player. Looks like he's going to be clearly their red zone target. Uh, what was your thoughts here uh, from the New Orleans – Saints. I was about to say, I, I thought they were just going to dismantle the Falcons. Like, you know, they've Winston healthy, they've Mike Thomas back, the Jeff Kisilavi. I thought they were just going to walk in and just, it was just going to be a cakewalk. I was surprised that Falcons actually put up a fight and that they were leading the majority of the game until the very end when they lost to a field goal. But I like, if, if the Saints want to beat Tampa next week, which we'll talk more later on. They they gotta like they can't just wait till like the end because if it's if it's the end, Tom Brady will already have a ridiculous lead on you like the like the Falcons did, but you won't be coming back from it that time. One thing with New Orleans that I'm very interested to see going into next week is the health of Alvin Kamara. Obviously, he wasn't used as much as I think anybody in the NFL world thought in Week One, but there was a report yesterday that he is battling. Uh, I think it's a rib injury. So that's going to be interesting to see and monitor that situation. But right now, this game, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Jar- Jarvis Landry was the MVP. Seven receptions, 114 yards, averaged 16 yards per reception. Um, no touchdowns, but still, if he's going to see this much volume from this offense that we know is very boomer bust with Winston at quarterback in fantasy teams uh, perspective, I think this is a very uh, interesting player to go up and grab because I think he can provide some real value down the line here. And as for Taysom Hill, I think that's a good play at your tight end spot. I just think the rushing volume that you saw in this game, uh, I think a large part of that was also because Alvin Kamara wasn't ready to go uh, with a rib injury. And he kind of just had a couple rushes here and there and definitely need to use his usage more if they want to win football games. Uh, let's get to the last one o'clock slate game here. And this was my favorite game of the day. The Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Cincinnati Bengals 23 to 20. The Steelers offense looked like a joke, like a joke. Like just, I was laughing at certain points. Um, but, you know, they, the defense carried. The defense was electric. They were getting to the quarterback. They were making the plays. Minka Fitzpatrick had himself a game. He's a fantastic player. This team, 
I, I said uh, on FanDuel, I don't know if you follow the Twitter accounts those listening, but if you do, FanDuel tweeted out who are going to be the teams that surprise uh, NFL fans most this year. My picks were the Seattle Seahawks, are obviously off to a good start winning the Russell Wilson uh, Super Bowl for Seattle. Steelers beating the Bengals. And I picked the Lions. The Lions lost three points in a 38-35 to 35 shootout to the very hyped-up Philadelphia Eagles. I think I had a pretty good week one in terms of that. But, you know, the Steelers, they lose T.J. Watt. It's a torn pack. Uh, he's going to see a second opinion, so we don't know if it's season-ending or how long it is yet, which sucks. He is one of my favorite players in the NFL. He is a monster. And with Fitzpatrick, and when these guys are both on their game, this showed you the Steelers can beat almost anybody in this league. And I know a lot of people are counting them out this year. Guys, Mike Tomlin, arguably the best coach in the NFL, never has a losing season. I don't know why so many people are counting this team out. They have the weapons on offense. They have three very young, talented wide receivers and Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens. You can go down the roster. Najee Harris, very good running back. I don't know why he's getting hate. He is solid. And then Kenny Pickett's on the bench. But right now, Trubisky, I guess he's going to hold the four. But I still think this team's going to surprise people. As for the Bengals, I am disappointed in Joe Burrow. I'm disappointed in this offense that spent so much money on fixing up their O-line. Only guy from Cincinnati that I'll give credit to. Actually, there's two of them. Only two I'll, I'll really give love to from Cincinnati in this one was wide receiver Jamar Chase and running back Joe Mixon. Nate, what do you think? I think, like, yeah, like like you said, Jamar Chase absolutely did insane. I think he went for he went for over 100 yards, definitely. Um, Joe Mixon did pretty good, too. Joe Burrow, tur- turning it over, I think he had four interceptions. For someone who's just coming off a Super Bowl run, that's unacceptable. <laughs> like maybe once or twice, you know, it's week one. Like you're you're just getting like the rust off. The starters don't really play in preseason. Four interceptions is just absolutely unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you know, there was a lot of talk coming out of Pittsburgh camp, and you know, beat writers were saying how this Pittsburgh Steelers team was more focused on joe mixon than they were jamar chase and i found that very interesting obviously they did pretty well um containing him to only three yards on average but there were certain points where joe mixon did catch fire and um, break some tackles for some large runs i think his longest run of the day was 21 yards or something um so joe mixon definitely a guy that saw a lot of volume in week one uh and jamar chase as well both guys that i think are going to need to be very pivotal in week two against the dallas cowboys but as far as this game goes give your kicker a hug because these kickers were having a tough time. And, you know, a lot of it wasn't um, McPherson's fault. Obviously they lose their long snapper. And then uh, we had the blocked punts and stuff like that. So definitely an interesting finish, very entertaining and uh, arguably game of the season already in week one, but let's go to the four o'clock slates now here. I know a lot of people who are listening to this are excited uh, because we're almost at the Sunday night football game, which the Dallas Cowboys, um, and, you know, me as a Cowboys fan going to have a lot to say on that one. So I, I think we should kind of get closer to that. So just recapping the four o'clock slate games here, the Chiefs win 44-21 over the Arizona Cardinals. Very disappointed with the Cardinals effort. And this one, the Giants beat the Tennessee Titans 21-20. The Minnesota Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers pretty good, 23-7. And the Chargers beat the Raiders in a close one, 24-19. 
Nate, out of those four games, which team made you the most upset? The most upset? I'm going to go with the Packers. Like, I, I understand that, you know, they they didn't have Alan Lazard. They obviously don't have Devontae Adams. Uh, Valdez Scantling is gone. But for Aaron Rodgers' standards, like, that, that was – <laughs> That was so incredibly bad. Like he didn't he didn't throw for one touchdown. He threw an interception. Didn't even get over two hundred passing yards. For Aaron Rodgers standards, that that's that's not okay. No, not at all. And you know, Christian Watson dropped a terrible pass. Like a beautiful throw by Rodgers right to the number, and he like just awful drop there. Uh, would have been I think a fifty-five yard touchdown or something. That is awful. Um, and I feel bad for Rodgers. The O-line, you know, was tons of pressure, man. We heard all this talk about Bakhtari coming back. We didn't see him in this game. Um, the, the Green Bay Packers are in a similar spot to the Dallas Cowboys right now. And I think I'm trusting the Packers way more to get out of this. But I'm going to need to see more from guys like Romeo Dubes. Uh, Christian Watson needs to not make those mistakes. And Alan Lazard, when he comes back, and even Randall Cobb to see him get a little bit more action because this team – it's not going to be the cakewalk they're used to in their division. The, the Minnesota Vikings showed you with their new offense, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins isn't a bad quarterback at all. Adam Thielen, like this team is definitely going to be some team, like this team's definitely going to compete um, with Green Bay all season long. They're not going anywhere. The Giants win a, a close game. The Derrick Henry didn't, didn't look as sharp as I guess we all expected, but still coming back from a major injury, um, you know, Traylon Burks, I thought, looked pretty good for the tight ends. Westbrook as well. Interesting, they didn't use Robert Woods more, though. I thought that was uh, quite a surprise. But the Giants, you know, Kadarius Toney was a guy that was hyped up in a lot of fantasy football, um, you know, offseason talk. But he, I think he only got like a 12% snap share. And that's one thing. There's something going on behind closed doors with management of the Giants and Kadarius Toney because Tony is a great football player. Trust me, but sometimes just off the field stuff. I think we always see in the reports with the you know Giants beat writers. They don't have the best relationship, which sucks because I think Kadarius Tony is a fantastic player. We've seen when he's on his game, the way he's able to, you know, catch those footballs um, and, and and stretch the field really is what he's good at. And just his physical aggressiveness, um, you know, for your wide receiver core, I think that's a good piece. And I think he would you know help this team out dramatically. Um, and kind of take a lot of pressure off Saquon, but credit to Saquon. Saquon looked good in this one. The Chiefs, man, they were just a juggernaut in this one. They were scoring right off the get-go. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it looks like he's kind of found that receiving role, his role on this Kansas City offense. Finally, it's about time. Isaiah Pacheco at the end of the game started getting some reps, and he looked just as good as, you know, the hype out of camp was saying. Um this Kansas City team's not going anywhere, folks. I'm sorry to break to you. Their defense got better. George Karloftis, um, you know, he's going to be huge for them as well. This Kansas City Chiefs team, I still think, might be the top dog in the AFC. But uh, finishing off with the Raiders and Chargers game, I know we're going to talk more about the Chargers on Thursday's episode. But this game, I like the win. I love the Chargers' aggressiveness to get out of this with the victory despite losing Keenan Allen pretty early. Nate, you got to be happy from the Chargers in this one. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, you're in, like, the most, arguably the most competitive division in the whole NFL. Like, every single win counts. To get a win off week one against a division rival, you couldn't ask for much more. Like, Herbert, he played really good. 
270 yards, three touchdowns. I expected a bit more from Eckler, but you know it's fine. It's it's it would have been a different story if he lost. <laughs> uh, Keenan Allen he led the team in yards, even though he got injured pretty early on. Uh, I did expect more out of Mike Williams, though. I don't know if that's Herbert's fault for not targeting him enough, but Mike Williams, two receptions for 10 yards, especially when we just paid him, that, that can't happen. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited for Thursday uh, to see the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Chargers in Thursday's episode. We're going to dive into that one a little bit more. Um, but let's talk about the Sunday night football game now. Before we go to the Seattle Monday night game to finish it off, Oh, man, the Dallas Cowboys. Nate, you want to start with this one? Because, uh, yeah, this is going to get pretty toxic. Yeah, I'll start off because I know you're going to go on a complete rant <laughs> for the fucking Cowboys. But, like, Dak even put pre-injury that, like, like what the hell? Like, like what did he throw again? 14, 14 for 29. Like, for, for someone who's obviously, like, He's a really good talent, but like that that can't happen, especially against the Buccaneers when you, you need to take advantage of every play possible. Like that that can't happen. And then like Zeke Zeke did pretty like Zeke did pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. 5.2 yards per carry. You can't ask for much more. That's actually like really good. But you know, the receiving game, CD Lamb, he got a ridiculous amount of time. He got eleven targets, he only caught two of them. For some, if you if you want to be that alpha wide receiver, that I also can't happen. Like there, there were just so many problems with Dallas Cowboys, and I want to hand this off to you because I know you're going to go on a complete rant. Of course, I I'm I'm not happy at all walking away from Week One. You come into the season, you obviously know this team. I don't care who is telling you that they got better. I don't care if it's Jerry Jones. I don't care whoever it is. Um, Colin Cowherd, nobody. This team did not get better. They did not improve in the offseason. Go look at their transactions. Go look at who they lost, who they brought in, and what the fuck they were doing with these moves. You go out, you lose Randy Gregory, key part of your pass rush. You lose Connor Williams, huge part of your line depth. You lose Lyle Collins, who a couple seasons ago was one of the best right tackles in football. You lose him for basically nothing. Send him to Cincinnati. Amari Cooper, probably the biggest loss in general on this team. And then on top of that, you lose Cedric Wilson, another guy that I talked about early on this episode. Amari Cooper was your guy. You move Amari Cooper, I, I get all the financials, the $20 million to Amari Cooper is very respectable right now in this NFL uh, era with the way the contracts score on wide receivers. Yet you move him out, he's still able to contribute. We saw him in the game against the Panthers this weekend. He was running some nasty routes. It was just Jacoby Brissett just missed him badly or wasn't even looking at him. You go out and you move Amari Cooper. You don't keep Wilson. You pay Gallup. Okay, we knew, we knew way before Gallup wasn't going to be ready for the start of the season. Now we're rushing him back, and now we're acting like this guy is, you know, an all-pro wide receiver one. Michael Gallup's a great wide receiver. He is. I like his play style. I think he's a very good ad in fantasy football formats, but – Come on, it's still Michael Gallup at the end of the day. You have Noah Brown, Noah Brown, Simi Fahoko. You drafted Jalen Tolbert in the third round, and he wasn't even good enough to be active in this game. Management failed the Dallas Cowboys. 
you know, that there's just no way else to put it. And I'm not one to go after management or blame coaches and stuff like that for losses, but the Dallas Cowboys were failed this offseason. They were. Now there's a lot of talk about their window and, you know, if this team's going to be able to, you know, compete or should they just rebuild? I, I disagree with that. I think this team's window is still on the upswing, right? This defense is now good. Last year was the first year it was electric. They have a good young pass rusher in Micah Parsons. They have Trayvon Diggs. This defense, I still think, is in good shape. I don't think they need to blow it up. But Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, what on earth were you thinking? Walking into the season, after last year, you couldn't get the job done. You just depart with all these pieces and expect the guys behind you to just fill in. Jalen Tober wasn't active. Who did you go out in the offseason to replace Amari Cooper. Okay, yeah, you kept Gallup around. You paid Washington. Washington gets hurt. Oh, well. Okay, so where are we going from the? In what way was the Jones family thinking that this team was going to push for more? They tell us they want to win a Super Bowl. They tell us they want to make it far. They want to go on a run. Jerry said that, you know, he's getting that his time window starting to get closer towards the end, and he's getting frustrated after last year's loss to the 49ers. Well, where is the improvement? Where is the help from for Dak? We like we know this O line is still very thin depth wise. Now you go out and lose a Connor McGovern who's going to be gone for I think a couple weeks. You lose J. Ron Curse, your best tackler I think on the defensive side of things after Micah Parsons. What is happening in Dallas right now? And now you lose Dak. I didn't even get to that fucking part yet. You lose Dak Prescott. Why? Because the pressure. Dak Prescott does not get hurt if you have an O-line that can protect your quarterback. Now, I get Dak Prescott didn't have a good game. That interception was awful, and I'm a huge Dak guy. You know, I was wearing my jersey all night despite the score, even when he got hurt. Seeing Dak get hurt always sucks. Why? Because that's my favorite player. But still, he didn't have himself a good, a good game. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He threw and that interception. You go back and watch the film. It was a curl flat. That was the play Dallas was running, and they throw it – on a Tampa two coverage. What are you doing? If people are saying, no, it was a Tampa two coverage. You throw a curl flat that you should never do that. Never. And Dak goes and makes that mistake. But guess what? This team, no matter what, and, and now there's talk about making a trade, right? Dak's not going on IR, which I think is another fucking joke. Like, like, I'm sorry. Now he's not going on IR. What are we doing here? We're going to force him back with no weapons. At this point, there's just a lot of miscommunication. I don't know what to believe. But now, like, the talk about trading for a quarterback, don't trade for Jimmy G. Don't don't trade for Jimmy G. Like, it is not worth it. You're going to have to give up a premium pick. We saw what happened um, in the game with San Fran and Chicago. So who knows how much they do trade Lance. But if, like, if you don't want to tank, I think tanking might be the best way to go right now because your your offense isn't going to get better that much you're going to get Gallup back yes but it's not going to be nothing to what your offense was last year if you're going to be that desperate or the Jones family is going to try and sell the Cowboys fans that you know we're we're going to fight for a playoff spot it's okay if Dak's gone if you're going to make a fucking trade go get Andy Dalton and I'm not joking like I know Andy Dalton isn't great Jimmy G's a lot better and stuff like that but Andy Dalton knows the playbook and the reason why, if you're going to make a trade and you're that desperate to go get Dalton is because you're not going to have to give up the, the, the leverage that you would for Jimmy Garoppolo. But 
you know, if Dak is gone for six to eight weeks or now under four weeks, he's not going on IR, which I still am like so fucking confused about. Then Andy Dalton comes in here is a, a spot starter. I trust him a lot more than I do Cooper Rush one. If you're trying to stay in the, in the playoff hunt, which is what the Joneses want, right? They want us uh, to go to games. They want Cowboys fans to buy jerseys, stay in the playoff race. Uh, sell us that this division isn't that good. We can still compete for a playoff spot. And then guess what? Once you get in the playoff spot, anything can happen. No, 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 no. This team has so many holes. Noah Brown should not be your wide receiver too. And Dak throwing passes behind, you know, wide receivers. Dalton Schultz, he's a great tight end. But, you know, after that, what what is happening? Where is the depth on this team? I'm looking for it. I'm scrolling through the roster. They go out, they add Jason Peters. Cool. Okay. We, you know, we got Peters. Uh, that was more for insurance on uh, Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith played pretty good, I thought, in my opinion, in that opening game. Obviously, there were some mistakes here and there. But, you know, the inside of the O-line now was just getting pressed in. It was getting Hampton. And now you're not going to have Connor McGovern. You had uh, Williams last year, who now he's in Miami. Matt Farniok, I, I don't trust him. I, he did all right, but, you know, he's a backup um you know this team it's 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 just a giant ball of disaster right now and you know is the season over it could be I'm still a little bit off that's what sucks and you know as frustrated as I am because the Jones really the Jones family did not put this team in a good position like you could see all summer Nate you know this I, I was saying Dallas Cowboys aren't going to have that great of a season as much as, you know, we're getting hyped up the easy schedule. That's the problem. The schedule is easy. So it's not like we can just say, okay, completely tank and, you know, let's get a top three pick and whatever this team making the playoffs is still possible. Like as crazy as it sounds, but the Jones family, they, they should have went out at least brought in some help on the receiving core. Once Washington got her, you know, Fuller, still a free agent. If you want to go there, maybe talk to Emmanuel Sanders before he retired this year in training camp. And, you know, he was battling that injury, but still there, there was, what is Antonio Brown really going to ruin right now? What, what is he like? There's a lot of talk, Antonio Brown. He's just going to mess with your What is he going to ruin? What? What, what there's nothing here there is nothing built right now besides a Dan Quinn defense that kept you in the game against Tom Brady a very high octane offense that had all its weapons Russell Gage Godwin Mike Evans Leonard Fournette was having himself a game to Tom Brady the seven-time Super Bowl champion you have a good defense you just couldn't score you couldn't score and you don't even have a fucking kicker Brett Maher like, come on, Brett Maher, like, this team has so many holes. I know he made the one field goal in this game, but I do not trust him. I don't think anybody in Dallas Cowboys Nation trusts him. This team is a mess. Like, it is a mess, and I honestly don't know what you do from here. I, it's maybe not time to panic. I know Stephen Jones, but that's what sucks is next week I'm still going to have my Cowboys jersey on on Sunday. I'm still going to be watching. I'm still going to be acting. Like this team is probably in a playoff game, which, you know, they are going to be far from if they do not turn things around right now. Nate, you can get back on the pod here. I'm sorry for the 10 minute rain here, but it is just awful. The Jones family, what were you doing here? Like, just let what let the fans know what your plan was coming to the season. Let Dak Prescott elevate his wide receivers because that's what you paid him for. Okay. We saw that in 2018. I'm sorry. We saw that in 2018 when you had Alan Hearns here and you had, you know, all these other weapons. Guess what? 
none of it mattered until you went out to go get Amari Cooper, which saved your season. Why are we going back in the same path? I get it. We have CD Lamb now. We expect him to take the step. He wears number 88. But now he's going to get double teamed. And we like, I don't think CD's the guy that you're going to rely on in, in double coverage. I'm sorry. I love CD. CD's, you know, an electric wide receiver. He's going to be the wide receiver one this year without a doubt. But still, like, there's no help on the other side. Who was Tampa Bay planning for on the other side? They probably didn't even know who Dennis Houston was because an undrafted free agent until they played the Cowboys last week. This team is a, it's a, it's a mess. And right now, I don't know where you go from here. If you're going to make a trade, go get fucking Andy Dalton because there's no point in trading for a high leverage name or signing a Cam Newton whose shoulder we don't know is ready to go. We don't like he has been bad for seasons now. Uh, Tony Romo, he's not coming back. He's enjoying his life in the booth. I hate all these stupid options. Tyler Huntley, I mean, I don't think Baltimore is going to be interested in trading him if they can't get a contract done with Lamar Jackson, especially how he did last year. I thought he did pretty good. So Huntley, cool option, but still, he's going to, whoever you bring in here, whether it's, you know, you talk Fitzpatrick out of retirement and you bring him back, they're going to have to get up to speed with the playbook. Right now, Andy Dalton just played here uh, a couple seasons ago. Mine's well if if you're really that desperate. But right now, I think this is Cooper Rush from Will Greer's team. And, you know, Ben DiNucci, honorable mention, had a, had an okay preseason. Probably the best we've seen out of him. Maybe he gets another crack. But if uh, Ben DiNucci's starting in a regular season game, oh, man, please pass me the pink Whitney because it is not going to be a fun night. That was, that was an amazing rant. <laughs> yeah, it's, Dallas is a mess right now. And like credit to Zeke, man. Like, like you said, Zeke, like he looked fresh, had a burst of speed. Poor guy, man. You know, everyone talking about Zeke this year. This is the last like year with the Cowboys potentially he's gonna get cut. Uh, making all these jokes about him. Guess what? That guy was probably the only one that showed up on offense for the Cowboys. And Tyler Smith, I gotta say, a rookie left tackle. Credit to him. First round pick. I know that, but I still like the way he played. Couple mistakes, but growing pains. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Dallas is going to, like, if they want to, because I, I think the Eagles are going to end up winning that division, and then that means Dallas is going to have to be fighting for a wild card. If, if they're not winning right out the bat, which, like, they, they probably won't, they're going to fall into a deep, deep hole that they just cannot get themselves out of. Yeah, and credit to Tampa, though. They looked great. Um, you know, I like how they were using Godwin, even Julio, right? Like, Julio looked pretty good. Um, this team, they're going to be competitive this year. I know there's a lot of people, um, you know, talking about how good this team's going to be this year. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still going to be tough to beat. Bulls and his coaching staff and that defense was rushing guys. Uh, so, you know, don't count out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But as for the Monday night game, I'm so fucking happy the Seattle Seahawks beat the Denver Broncos. I do not like Denver. Guess what? Geno Smith has himself a night on Monday night football credit to him. They win 17, 16. I'm surprised that the, you know, the stars of this game, especially on the Seattle side of the football didn't really um, show up despite them winning. Right. Like they played good. Like DK played good. Seven receptions, 36 yards, Tyler Lockett, three receptions, 28 yards, but you know, Parkinson, 43 yards, touchdown, Disley, 43 yards, touchdown. Are you surprised here? With the Seattle offense, because you know, obviously the running game was pretty good. You know, Rashad Penny, 12 rushes, 60 yards. Um, Travis Homer, not bad. He got one carry. Geno Smith rushing, 
uh, six times, 14 yards. They, this wasn't an offensive showing from both of these teams, like to a, a great performance, but the defense side of the football in Seattle, they were getting some big plays. And this is what I'm starting to like from Seattle. I'm starting to see this. This kind of reminds me of last year's Dallas Cowboys defense where, you know, they bend, but they don't break. They get, uh, you know, into the red zone, uh, but then they make a play, right? Like we saw that fumble on Javante Williams. What was that? Two fumbles on the goal line for Denver. Yeah, they fumbled twice on the goal line, which is completely unacceptable. <laughs> like literally on the one yard line. Like they, they should they should have at least got a touchdown out of that. And that would have probably won them the game if they didn't. You know, there's a lot of people counting out Seattle this year. It, I've said it all summer long. Seattle's not going to be 13 and I mean three and thirteen. Um, they're not gonna have one win all year long. This is gonna be a competitive team. I think they're gonna be in the wild card race all season long. Why? Because they have a good coach in Pete. Um, they have a great offense. This team, I know, I know they're in the rebuild stage after trading Russell Wilson, but that trade, I'm telling you right now, Seattle fans listening to this, that was a great trade. Why? Because you go out and immediately improve your team across the left tackle. I thought he played pretty good yesterday. He was solid, like a fridge, um, did not let anything really get behind him. That one play he did, he recovers the fumble in the air, great hand eye reaction, pretty much saved the game for the Seahawks there. But you know, this old line, you, you, Got to get it, I guess, more matured in a lot of ways. It's still some young pieces, but Pete Carroll is known for his aggressiveness, especially on the offensive line, right? When he came in the NFL, you can already see this O-line looks a lot more aggressive than what they were last year. If they can just get this wall in Seattle, that aggression, they, they obviously need some more pieces here before they start being a playoff lock of a team. But, you know, they have the wide receivers in Lockett and Metcalf. Metcalf is going to be here for the next three years. We know that with this extension. Very, very elite duo. Kenneth Walker, the guy they drafted alongside Rashad Penny. Very, very two good running backs. I love Kenneth Walker. This offense is ready in good position right now. If this team isn't so good, that's okay, Seattle fans. Go out, draft yourself a quarterback. There's tons of good ones in this year's draft. You get this team a quarterback that is, you know, in that upper echelon. This team, they might not be so far away from contending again. And that must be scary for a lot of fans of the LA Rams and the San Francisco 49ers and even Arizona because, you know, this Seattle team does have, they have playmakers. And even on the defense side of things, right? Diggs and obviously Jamal Williams is going to be, uh, Jamal, Jamal Adams is going to be without, um, you know, him. They're going to be without him for a while. It seems like he has a pretty serious quad injury, which, um, you know, sucks because. He's, he's an awesome player. And I get a lot of people make jokes about Jamal Adams, you know, being blitz boy and stuff like that, but he, he's a fun player to watch. And I love how much he blitzes. It does provide that, you know, pressure um, for defense that not a lot of teams have to offer, but this Seattle team, I don't think it's too far away from contending. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I think like they really showed up last night. Like they, they have a bit of a, chip on their shoulder some might say just because like Russell Wilson just kind of just gave up and wanted out I think the rest of the Seattle team uh, they took that as kind of like a wake-up call like we need to like be a better team you know they they still have DK Metcalf Rashad Penny Lockett like like yeah like everything in their offense is fine aside from maybe a questionable quarterback but Geno Smith played relatively good last night he played re- like pr- really good for Geno Smith standards compared to last year. Yeah, they're really only missing like uh, a consistent, stable quarterback, and maybe they can compete. Like they they have some pieces on defense, like you said, Jamal Adams. You know, Michael Jackson had a very good night last night. He was 
He was all over. <laughs> he was all over. All over the place. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> but yeah, like Seattle played really good last night. I was surprised that Denver didn't do more on offense, but you know, credit to Seattle. Yeah, Seattle pulled through on Monday Night Football. This was a matchup that I was I was kind of ever after we recorded episode one. After that, I just had this weird feeling, and you know this about me. Sometimes I get these weird, weird feelings that the underdog's gonna win. Like remember last or what was it two years ago when the Steelers were eleven and zero and they went into Washington the week before? I was like hammering Washington, the Washington's money line, and that I was so confident they were gonna win that. Guess what? They go and put a loss in the Steelers' record. Um, which pretty much changed that whole season for Pittsburgh. But Geno Smith, man, he looked good. Like, he looked good. He was making the throws he needed to throw. Um, you know, he has the rushing ability. Pete Carroll's a great coach, man. This team, I still think they're going to be in the thick of things down the line. They might not get in, but I still think they're going to be in the race. And if you ask me right now, as a Cowboys fan, if this gave me a little bit more hope, it did. Because you saw Geno Smith go out there, and he didn't have the monster performance, but he was good. And he was solid and he was everything you needed to be to win. He didn't make the huge mistake. The defense kept them in it. The two fumbles on the goal line were huge. And that's what I mean. It reminds me of that Dallas defense last year that bended but didn't break. That Dan Quinn style, they really got back to it uh, last night. And they can keep this going all season long. We know, that we know they have a very entertaining matchup next week. This Seattle team might surprise people. And I, I really think them, the Steelers, and the Lions are going to all season long and be tough to play against. And especially if Pittsburgh can get TJ Watt back at any point throughout this uh, season. And if Jeff Okuda can continue that uh, very good week one defensively for the Lions, I think if Okuda, that third overall pick, um, you know, let, uh, I guess I, I, it's, it's been a tough start for him, I, I must say. Like, I feel bad. Like, coming out of the draft, that guy was one of my favorite players. Um, but if he can just be a stable piece on the Lions defense alongside Hutchinson and the other pieces they got there in Detroit, those three teams I think are my three teams that are going to surprise people. Anything you want to finish off, Nate, on this episode? No, I think that's – I think we wrapped up pretty much everything we needed to. I, I'm looking for – it was week one. It was a wild week one. But I'm definitely looking for the next 17 weeks of football. <laughs> All right, oh, for sure. It's going to be like a week one, all the storylines. But quickly here, um, you know, let's talk waiver wire targets. Uh, let's go with one each. Uh, you start off with your first one. Mine is going to be Curtis Samuel. Um, Good. They, they used them in the running game, which is like another Samuel that comes to my head <laughs> in San Francisco. But he rushed four times for 17 yards. He got 11 targets, he caught eight of them for 55 reception yards and a reception touchdown. He did fumble, which is a negative. And Brian Robinson is coming back for it. For the, but for the next couple of weeks, Curtis Samuel should be a viable flex play in my books. Oh, yeah, for sure. And for my pick here, also from Washington, is Jahan Dotson. And I know this is kind of weird, right? Like, we're both going with commanders guys here, but Jahan Dotson, I don't know. Like, they were really forcing the ball to Dotson, to Samuel, and to Terry at the end of the game. And I get they were losing, right? They're trying to put points on the board. But they were really force-feeding the ball deep downfield. And even though Wentz threw a couple interceptions, they did not care. It seems like this team is really going to focus on the pass game. They have three very good receivers. 
and all the talk out of camp was how Jahan Dotson and Carson Wentz had this unbelievable chemistry. And obviously I don't think you're going to see this uh, workload from all three of these guys that you saw this week in week one here, but next week they're going to get up against the lions, right? The lions, we know they don't have the best defensive coverage schemes. They have a tough time stopping the run as well, but I wouldn't be too opposed to picking up a Jahan Dotson or a Samuel no matter um, what league you're in, because I think these two guys are going to get the football no matter what, and especially for a matchup next week against the Lions. I think Jahan Dotson, the first-year wide receiver, is going to be pretty impactful um, down the line for Washington. And who knows, right? Like, it's week one. This is probably the funnest time of the year to pick up guys because they could boom or bust. Um, And if you can get a steal right away, I remember picking up Justin Jefferson after week one uh, a couple seasons ago. But... I think that's all from us today. Thank you guys for listening to the Slinging and Winning Podcast. And we'll be back with you on Thursday. Automatic is a habit. You should know it's automated. I've been getting to it. I ain't noticed y'all was hating. Brand new chicks. You don't know that I can pace it. I just want to know that I can hold a conversation. Trying to run an operation Went broke in the check And put a hundred out of savings in I can tell now that you ain't talking about nothing I'ma need something I can calm down from I'm gonna pull it with the bar down one Six months in I ain't down once People trying to tell me what you know about me You don't know nothing Keep it real with me She says she ain't trying to deal with me Okay, cool, you can sell that C I'm just hoping she don't fail Cause when she do, I don't know what I'ma do All that I heard that y'all was talking It was comical Pull up in your city for the evening What you trying to do? You should know it's automated. I've been getting to it. I ain't noticed y'all was hating. Brand new chicks, you don't know that I can pace it. I just want to know that I can hold a conversation. Oof, I don't know what y'all debating. I've been waiting for you, now I'm running out of patience. Running up a check, trying to run an operation. Went broke in the check and put a hundred out of savings in. I can tell now that you ain't talking about nothing. I'ma need something I can calm down from. I'm going to pull it with the bar down one. Six months in, I ain't got once. People trying to tell me what you know about me. You don't know nothing, keep it real with me. She says she ain't trying to deal with me. Okay, cool, you can sell that seat. Tell me how to get in the bag. We're going to get in the bag. I'm about to get in that airplane. Automatic is a habit. You should know it's automated. I've been getting to it. I ain't noticed y'all was hating. Brand new chicks. You don't know that I can pace it. I just want to know that I can hold a conversation. Oof. I don't know what y'all debating. I've been waiting for you. Now I'm running out of patience. Running up a check. Trying to run an operation. Went broke in the check and put a hundred out of savings in. I can tell now that you ain't talking about nothing. I'm going to need something I can calm down from. I'm going to pull it with the bar down one. Six months in. I ain't got once. People trying to tell me what you know about me. You don't know nothing. Keep with me she says she ain't trying to deal with me okay cool you can sell that seat